Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Well, look at that. It is time for some dark poutine. I am Mike Brown, and across the table from me is my good friend Matthew. Say hello, Matthew. I'm obsessed with DJ Shadow. You are obsessed with DJ Shadow, and I kind of like DJ Shadow. I've been listening to him nonstop. Yeah, all it has week. The, he's remixing a lot of that 90s hip hop style. And that one song by, is it? With De La Soul. De La Soul. Ro- rocket like rocket fuel. There you go. Look it up. It's a fantastic song. It'll get you up and dancing, I promise. Rocket Fuel by DJ Shadow. DJ Shadow with Della Soul. The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Dark Patine podcast are solely those of the producer and do not necessarily represent those of Curious Cast, its affiliate Global News, nor its parent company, Chorus Entertainment. Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. Our content is often intense and some listeners may find it disturbing. We are not experts on the topics we present, nor are we journalists. We are ordinary Canadian schmucks chatting about crime and the dark side of history. Let's get to it. Put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double and an Nanaimo bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. You are responsible for obtaining and maintaining at your own cost all equipment needed to listen to dark poutine. Dark poutine can be addictive. Side effects may include, but not be limited to, pausing and questioning the system, elevated heart rate, pondering humanity, odd looks from colleagues as you laugh out loud at work, Family members not into true crime worrying about you. Positive side effects may include some perspectives and opinions that you disagree with, as well as some wokeness and empathy. If you don't think dark poutine is for you, consult your doctor immediately. The following episode deals with suicide, cyberbullying, and the sexual exploitation of a minor. If at any time you feel you need assistance, you can connect for free with a mental health professional one-on-one in Canada. Call 1-888-668-6810 or text WELLNESS to 686-868 for youth. Call 1-866-585-0445 or text wellness to 741741 for adults. If outside of Canada, please see the show notes for this episode or go to findahelpline.com to find free, confidential support from a helpline or hotline near you. Stay 
Starting when Amanda Michelle Todd was just 11 years old, a person began a campaign of sexual extortion, relentless harassment, and cyberbullying against her. Over the next three years, Amanda endured constant pressure from the man who used 22 online aliases on four different social media platforms to coerce and lure her into performing pornographic cam shows for him. He made efforts to blackmail Amanda into further compromising situations by threatening to distribute child pornographic materials to members of her family and her community. When Amanda did not comply with the man's demands, he made good on his threats and sent images and videos of Amanda to her friends, peers, family, and school staff. On September 7, 2012, Amanda posted a now-famous video on YouTube in which she used a series of flashcards to tell her experience of being blackmailed into exposing her breasts via webcam, which later led to her being bullied and physically assaulted. The video gained global attention when it went viral after Amanda completed suicide at her family home in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, a month before her 16th birthday, on October 10, 2012. As of this writing, the video is still up on YouTube and is just about to crack 15 million views. Amanda's mother, Carol Todd, was driven by grief at her daughter's loss to become an activist. She established the Amanda Todd Trust at the Royal Bank of Canada, which receives donations to support anti-bullying awareness education and programs for young people with mental health problems. In 2014, a Dutch-Turkish man, Aidan Coben, in his 30s when the abuse of Amanda Todd began, was identified as the person who had been harassing her and at least 39 other young girls and young gay males in the Netherlands, UK and Canada. After legal proceedings in the Netherlands wrapped up, Coben was in prison there. Although charged with five offenses related to Amanda Todd here in Canada, Amanda's family would have to wait for justice for her. In June of 2022, almost 10 years after Amanda's death, after being extradited to Canada, Aidan Coben stood trial in the Supreme Court of British Columbia. On August 5, 2022, the jury found Coben guilty of all five of the charges he was facing. Extortion, importing and distributing child pornography, possession of child pornography, communicating with the intent to lure a child, and criminal harassment. On October 14, 2022, Coben was sentenced to 13 years in prison. He was not ever charged with Amanda's death. This is Dark Poutine episode 252, Tormented, the Death of Amanda Todd. Amanda Michelle Todd was born at 1259 on November 27, 1996. Her mother, Carol, wrote about her memories of Amanda's birth and the youngster's fascination with snow on amandatodlegacy.org. Quote, On that particular year, Vancouver, B.C. got dumped with lots and lots of snow. Amanda was also 10 days late in being born, so when the doctor said go for a walk to encourage her birth, it was to be done very carefully. As Amanda grew up, snow captivated her. I'm not sure if that was because on the west coast of B.C. we usually don't get much of it. Before every birthday, Amanda would do a weather watch to see if there was snow in the forecast. There were indeed a few birthdays where it did snow some or lots. There is a clear memory of a story from when Amanda was middle school aged. It was her birthday. She had about eight friends at the house. It started to snow that night and everyone wanted to go outside. 
but no one was prepared with snow gear. We did manage to call up neighbors and friends to borrow clothing appropriate to the weather. This snow experience turned out to be full of fun and laughter. Although it was evening and dark, the snow brightened up the night. Needless to say, the outside fun was the hit of the party, as was the hot chocolate with tiny marshmallows and cookies at the end of the night. End quote. Amanda's mom referred to Amanda as Princess Snowflake, and Amanda loved the nickname. The image of a snowflake has come to represent Amanda Todd's legacy. Amanda loved animals and being kind to others. Her favorite color was purple. Amanda's parents split when she was young, and she lived separately with both her mom and father, Norm, at different points. Amanda had lots of friends and was always, according to Norm, doing what she could to fit into the, quote, popular crowd. This, as anyone who's gone through it will know, can be a fraught experience. Did you try to fit in with the popular crowd when you were young? I tried. I don't, right. I don't know how well I did. I was a bit of a free agent. You know, I'd kind of fit in with whoever. Yeah. I ended up doing that as well for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, of, one of which was the fact that I was a drunk. So whoever had the booze. Yeah, whoever had whatever would make me feel differently <laughs> than I felt, then yeah. Do you think it was different for people Amanda's age? in that time with social media oh my gosh yeah do you maybe. think that adds like more pressure about popularity i think it does okay yeah because i mean everything you do is more out there and yeah. kind of there's a record of it and we get into that which okay. is horrific amanda had other struggles before her ultimate tormentor showed up according to a vancouver sun article by jillian shaw quote carol a teacher who works with children with learning disabilities recognized early on that her daughter had learning challenges. She knew raising her would take more time and effort than it would for a typical child. Amanda has always had spirit. She's been a spirited child in terms of what she did when she was a baby, what she did as a toddler, what she did when she was growing up in elementary school, said Carol. She always had a mind of her own. She knew what she wanted and did it. Some of it was kid things, there were naughty things, and there were good things. One good thing about her was she cared about anything and everything that crossed her path. Amanda was a smart child, but her learning disabilities often left her at the bottom of the class, the brunt of jokes. Carol remembers Amanda coming home from Maple Ridge Secondary School and telling her how the class had to read their quiz scores out loud. Amanda got a failing mark. She told her mom the teacher said the students could say their score out loud or go up to him and tell him quietly. Amanda figured going up to the teacher would be just as bad as saying it out loud since everyone would know. I heard them laughing at me, Amanda told her mother. End quote. Some of the teachers in Amanda's schools weren't much better refusing to believe Amanda had any learning difficulties. They believed her problems were attitude-based and that she wasn't trying hard enough. Carol Todd told the Fifth Estate that Amanda was spirited and creative, but at times painfully shy. She always loved to sing, though. She wanted to start sharing videos of herself singing online and asked for a webcam. Carol was against the idea at first, which caused arguments between mother and daughter. Eventually, Carol relented, thinking perhaps this was the outlet that her daughter needed. Amanda began using her laptop to record videos of herself crooning some of her favorite pop tunes, which she edited and then uploaded to YouTube. Like lots of kids, in person with her peers at school, Amanda felt awkward and shy. 
It was on the internet via social media, forums, and chat sites where Amanda found the validation she craved so deeply. Amanda's online nickname was Cutie Lover, and she was a pretty little girl and began to get attention right away when she posted completely innocent photos of herself. Carol Todd told the Fifth Estate that Amanda especially enjoyed the attention from males online, telling her she was cute and asking for her phone number. Carol said, quote, I think she focused on the attention that they were giving her in the wrong ways, but then when boys are paying attention to a girl, then the other girls get upset, and so often she couldn't handle it, end quote. When you look at this, mm -hmm. right, well, when I do, first, I've kind of found it a bit, well, a lot shocking that an 11-year-old girl would have unsupervised webcam time with the screen name Cutie Lover. You sure? Yeah. This was a decade ago. Amanda's parents are probably quite naive about the dangers at the time. Well, everybody was. And and this is my point, right? What I'm, like, you, you talk about how her mom's been an advocate. Yeah. And I think it's because of her mother and because of this situation mm -hmm. that people have become less naive about it sure and it's it's so i mean it's i feel so bad for her mom but her mom's doing the only one good thing that can come out of any of this is is she's helping to learn lessons for society and she's helping helping people to get through this sort of stuff and, and to set themselves up so it doesn't happen again exactly that is very laudable i would say it's hugely important because I always find that people who teach are the ones that have gone through the experience. Mm -hmm. they, they teach the best. And um, like, unfortunately, this is a, a horrible thing, but she has a knowledge um, deeply felt that none of us do. Yep. So she's probably best at helping us navigate and helping parents these days navigate um, this sort of, you know, oh my God, I can't imagine raising kids now. Yeah. Back in our day, Mikey, you'd worry just, you know, the strangers on the street corner. But today, it's like strangers from all over the planet. Yep. Amanda moved in with her dad, Norm, for a time. He was not overly concerned with Amanda's use of the webcam, seeing it as a creative outlet for his daughter. He did keep a close eye on things, often checking on Amanda's chat logs and other online histories. According to the Fifth Estate, even though she'd been told to shut it down for the night, she'd wait until her dad shut her door, and then she'd log right back onto the text chat and live video chat site she was now visiting. She'd stay up into the wee hours chatting with strangers, some of whom were adults. One of her favorite sites was blogtv.com, which later merged with younow.com in 2013. Here's a tip from friends of mine who had four kids. Mm -hmm. At night? Yeah. All phones, tablets, and laptops were put into a basket. Yeah, that was put on the side bed, side table of the in the parents' bedroom. Oh dear! <laughs> but it's and they actually started it when they were young, so sure. so so it wasn't a oh I'm suddenly doing this because they're just like we don't we don't want our kids late at night. You know they weren't necessarily worried about this happening, but you know staying up too late, talking to friends, they just took them all away, and it was part of the routine of the day. I kind of think that's a great idea. And and when we talked about that earlier, I thought, man, I should do that with my own phone and tablet and stuff to prevent me from doom scrolling yep. at night before bed and in the morning. Take a paper book, get a real alarm clock. Yeah. Leave your stuff out in another room and take a paper book. Yeah. 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 Well, or a Kindle. I mean, you know, 
I'm not going to be browsing the internet on a Kindle because it's too clunky. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at bookshelves stacked with paper books right now. I know, I have many. <laughs> That's why I suggested a paper book. There you go. Maybe read some of these that you have. On these sites, people, many of whom are kids and teens, share live video streams of thoughts and creative pursuits, ask questions of the community, and connect with each other. Just like another more popular gaming-focused streaming site that I used called Twitch.tv. One can follow an account, get a notification when the person is live, watch, and comment as the stream goes along. Amanda and her pals would log on to one of these sites during sleepovers and found a thrill in chatting with people from all over the world. But they said there were, quote, creepy and older people who frequented the site and wanted to talk to younger people, mostly girls. Sometimes women and girls on the site would be encouraged by these visitors to expose themselves. At one point, dressed in shorts and a crop top, 11-year-old Amanda did a provocative dance in front of her webcam while people on the site cheered her on. Amanda's hell began on November 9, 2009, when a Facebook user named Damon Lucy messaged Amanda with an ominous message. This user later proved to be one of the many aliases of Amanda's abuser, Aiden Coben, who was 31 at the time. The message included video of Amanda's recent dance on the streaming chat site. From court documents, quote, Amanda described the video as depicting her dancing with short shorts and I have my shirt up so my belly is showing, end quote. In the message, Coben demanded that Amanda provide him with her address on Skype so she could perform a private show for him. Coben threatened to send the video of Amanda dancing to all of her family if Amanda didn't comply with his demand. To prove he'd done his homework, Coben identified Amanda's birth date and named various members of Amanda's family, including her father. It is unclear whether Amanda ever provided her Skype account address, but according to logs, she did receive a message via Skype a month later from a user calling himself MarsAttack1, who also later proved to be Aiden Coben. The Skype message upped the ante, telling Amanda that it was her last chance to comply and perform a private show for him before he sent the video of her dancing to, quote, everyone in her Facebook, school, and newspapers in her city, end quote. There is no evidence that the video of her dancing was distributed further at that point. Amanda's messages to friends at the time indicated she had been frightened by the interaction, saying she believed Damon Lucy and Mars Attack 1 were, the, were one man stalking her. She was right. However, after the first four interactions, things went quiet for a time. Amanda's messages to friends at the time indicated she'd been frightened by the interaction, saying she believed Damon Lucy and Mars Attack 1 were the same man stalking her. She was right. However, after the first four interactions, things went quiet for a time. Amanda continued to frequent the streaming video chat sites. Another man, a recent online friend, consistently told Amanda that she was, quote, stunning, beautiful, perfect and eventually convinced her to flash her breasts on webcam. According to the Fifth Estate, when she did it in the fall of 2010, Amanda was in a chat room with 200 people. One of these people, her abuser, lurking in the anonymity of the site, snapped some video of Amanda topless. There are 200 people in that room watching it happen, so in my opinion, there are 200 abusers there. Right. 
right? Because yeah. she's obviously underage. She is very obviously underage. Right. Shame on them. Between December 19th and 22nd, 2010, Coben contacted Amanda Todd again via Skype, calling himself Toddit, and from a YouTube account with the username What's This Man 11. He again wanted Amanda to perform pornographic live shows for him, this time threatening to distribute the video he'd captured when Amanda exposed her breasts in the live stream. Not knowing what else to do, Amanda eventually responded, quote, What do I have to do so you won't show anyone? Coben replied, Once a week, we just do fun stuff on cam is all, end quote. Amanda decided to seek out the help of a young man named Cody Maxson, who was claiming to be a hacker dedicated to exposing online pedophiles. Coben got wind of the efforts to uncover his identity and was livid. Using a newly created Facebook alias mirroring Cody Maxson's real account to throw everyone off, he sent ominous messages to Amanda. Coben wrote, quote, All those things you've been doing for the past few hours won't stop the shitstorm from coming. Trust me. Three shows and it all goes away. What's the big deal? You think you're still dealing with an amateur? You have until the end of the day before all hell breaks loose. End quote. Amanda did not comply, and between December 22nd and 24th, 2010, Coben followed through with his threats. He uploaded the video to a pornographic file sharing site and forwarded a link to the video of Amanda to 99 Facebook users, Amanda Todd's friends and peers. According to court documents, quote, Mr. Coben then engaged in conversations with many of the users. In these conversations, Mr. Coben mocked Amanda for being a slut and having nasty or awkward nipples and encouraged recipients of the video to send it to others, end quote. Posing as a woman and calling himself Alice McAllister, Coben also sent the link to Amanda's mom, Carol. Alice McAllister's messages said that this was being forwarded to Carol for Amanda's protection. Carol said that her heart skipped a beat when she saw the image of her underage daughter with her breast exposed. The message that Carol later shared with the Fifth Estate read in part, quote, I am acting for an independent online child protection group and we monitor especially sites where many underage girls get on cam in front of old guys who pretend to be 15. She needs to be stopped because most of them are old guys who record her and blackmail her into doing more, end quote. Carol asked the person who they truly were and where this information had come from. She closed by saying, this is now a police matter, end quote. The RCMP didn't seem to be doing very much to track down Amanda's abuser after Carol reported it. The damage was done, they said. The photos were already, quote, out there. Carol later told the Fifth Estate that the RCMP didn't even ask to look at Amanda's computer at the time, which she struggled to understand. Christmas, of course, was now ruined by the messages that so many people knew about. When Amanda went back to school in the new year, things were different. Her bully's efforts had succeeded, and a few of Amanda's grade 7 classmates were relentless in their teasing. She was called porn star and cam whore, and shamed endlessly about the video. For a few months, things were quiet again, but Amanda was struggling. Grade 7 is hard enough without something like this going on. Amanda began to spiral downward. She was deeply depressed and anxious. She started suffering from panic attacks and turned to drugs and alcohol. It was an easy decision for Amanda to move back with her mom and change schools in March. 
She'd been living with her dad for two years. According to the Vancouver Sun's Jillian Shaw, to make Amanda feel more at home, quote, Carol had her room redecorated, the princess room her daughter always wanted, end quote. On April 21, 2011, a chat site user going by the name I Am Back Miss Me sent Amanda a message which began, Guess Who's Back? Miss Me? And Amanda's abuse started all over again. Coben demanded, quote, five shows of 30 minutes each or the same thing happens again at your new school. Coben then gave Amanda the option to pick door one, which is to do what he asked, or if she chose door two, he promised to screw up her life. When Amanda did not do what he wanted, Coben, using the YouTube alias door one or door two, posted a link to an image of Amanda with her breasts exposed in a comment on the channel on the site, visible to anyone with access to YouTube. Amanda asked all of her friends to report the user door one or door two, telling them he was blackmailing her. She desperately needed help, but it seemed the authorities were disinterested at best. We'll be back with more after a quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Matthew, thoughts? When I started reading the script, when he gave it to me, I'm like, Mike, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And we've covered a lot of scumbags on this show. Yeah, right? some people who have done horrible things. But this guy, it astounds me how horrible of a human being he is. Yep. It truly takes your breath away. Yeah. How, how he just went after and was persistent and it's just a horrible human being. Well, and she is one of many, as we find out. and Lots of kids in Canada and the Netherlands, eh? Yeah, and the UK. And so, the UK. Horrible, horrible human being. Yeah, he, he was sadistic. It's, it's just horrible. Yeah. yeah. Like you get off on people's pain. It's not about sex. It isn't about sex at all, this kind of thing. Uh, this is like virtual rape. This is essentially what it is. It's horrible. In May of 2011, members of Amanda's family received messages from Coben, now using the alias Miranda Todd on Facebook. Posting as a concerned person, Coben's communication said that they were being written to advise members of the Todd family that Amanda was, quote, still showing herself naked on the internet, end quote. Amanda posted a warning to her Facebook friends not to respond to the Miranda Todd message. Things went quiet again for a time, online at least. 
It's not a stretch to say that Amanda was stressed out. She still had no idea when the next attack was to come. She knew it would. And as her new friends and family were now being involved, the real world was no refuge. She sunk deeper into a dark place tormented by an online stranger. She didn't know who to trust. Amanda did talk to her mom, Carol. Carol later told the Vancouver Sun's Jillian Shaw, quote, Let it be known she shared everything with me, said Carol Todd, speaking at her poor Coquitlam home. I knew the stuff that she did. She would sit at the kitchen table and show me stuff and tell me stuff. She shared all this. She wasn't a kid at the end that kept things in, end quote. Court documents reveal what happened next. Sure enough, on the 23rd of October, 2011, Amanda's tormentor returned. She received a Facebook message from the alias Tyler Boo, Coben, of course, which stated, Sup, cam whore. It's been a while. Three shows of 15 minutes and I won't send. With reference to a new Flash video. When Amanda told Coben's alias that she would not comply, he responded, You still think you're dealing with an amateur after the last time? Coben told Amanda that he knew she'd changed schools and was now at Westview Secondary. When Amanda refused to comply with his demands, Coben as Tyler Boo distributed two links to a video of Amanda with her breasts exposed, again hosted on the same pornographic file sharing site he'd used previously. He also sent links to photos of Amanda hosted on another file sharing site. One depicted Amanda wearing an exposed green thong, while the other depicted Amanda with her hand in her pubic region, making a suggestive facial expression. Coben sent these materials to Amanda and 19 other Facebook users, the majority of which were Amanda's friends. He also engaged in confrontational messages with several of Amanda's friends on Facebook regarding these messages. During the same episode, in addition to the Tyler Boo alias, Coben also used three other aliases, Austin Collins, Monica Stewart, and Katie Hutchkins, to distribute pornographic material using Facebook and Gmail. Both Monica Stewart and Katie Hutchkins posed as concerned persons who had received anonymous reports about Amanda, similar to the 2010 messages from Alice McAllister. The Austin Collins alias, meanwhile, posed as one of Amanda's peers, mirroring Coben's previous Cody Maxson alias. Coben used the Monica Stewart alias to distribute the materials to Amanda's family and the Katie Hutchkins alias to send the same links to Amanda's school principal, two vice principals, and four school employees. One of the vice principals was shocked by the content of the email and forwarded it to the police. On November 4, 2011, Coben created the Austin Collins Facebook account posing as a teenage boy soon to be attending Westview Secondary School. He befriended hundreds of Amanda's school peers on Facebook. He then changed his profile image to an image of Amanda with her breasts exposed. Coben also posted links to pornographic videos and images of Amanda on his Facebook wall and told Amanda that he sent the material to about 280 Westview peeps. Coben told Amanda to, quote, enjoy the shit fest. Later at Coben's trial, a student from Westview Secondary described his reaction to seeing the pornographic image of Amanda. He was in grade 8 at the time. Although most of their conversations were online, he considered Amanda a friend and knew it was wrong for someone to be using this image of her. He reported it to Facebook so the image could be taken down and also contacted police. 
Amanda posted a Facebook status to explain the messages her friends and family were receiving. Quote, I'm so sorry. Everyone who got the links from Austin Collins. When I was 11 years old, I got a message saying, I have all your information. I will come find you if you don't flash and do this for me. So I was scared. I said one time, okay. So I did it. And he said, if I didn't do it again, he would send it to all Port Coquitlam. I wasn't going to do it again. So then he sent it to everyone in Port Coquitlam, teachers, friends, family, on Christmas. So I moved. I thought a new start for my mess up would be good. Then he followed me. He stalked and found out my new school and friends, and now you guys all got the link. Judge me or be there for me, whichever you guys want. But right now, I feel like shit. I feel so sad and sick that he's going to do this for the rest of my life, and there's nothing I can do. He made you all think he's a young boy in his teens that is going to Westview when he's over 30 plus. He's Tyler Boo. He's a sick pedophile. The best thing I can say now is don't send it. Block him and don't click it. I really don't know what to do anymore. From court documents. Over more than two years, between November 2009 and February 2012, Coben used 22 online aliases on four different social media platforms to extort and lure Amanda Todd into performing pornographic cam shows for him, i.e. live performances, explicit in nature, performed and viewed online. Coben was in his early to mid-30s at the time of the offenses. He used 15 of his 22 identified aliases to aggressively extort Amanda and used some of the remaining seven aliases to attempt to lure Amanda using the guise of online friendship, end quote. I think this goes to show that even, just ignoring what he did there for a minute, mm-hmm. right? even though this horrible thing happened to her, yeah, she was, went back online. Yeah, and, 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 and we're not judging her parents. Oh, no, no, here. no. What I'm saying is we are so integrated into online social shopping, online education, online everything, even when something horrible happens. And, you know, she's a teenager as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, it's like friends and connection is everything as well. And there's something to be said for her going, you know what, I'm still going to get on despite this guy because he's not going to make me, make me hide, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's tough. I mean, so, something like, yeah, I don't know. I'm at a bit of a loss. This is this is a hard one. After a certain group of incidents that happened around a former co-host of this show, mm. uh, I went through some really horrific stuff. Now, I'm not saying that what you went through is what she went. Through, no, right? not at all. Not even close. Not no. even remotely close. But it, but it was a horrible. Time. But it was horrible and yeah. it was painful. Yeah. People said some horrible, awful, uninformed things about everybody involved in that situation. And it was terrible. I wanted to just leave social media completely, but I couldn't. I couldn't because I have to stay on it to keep promoting this show. So I just couldn't leave. I didn't feel like I had that option. So I can understand where Amanda is coming from, at least in small part. But I'm a grown-up, at least age-wise. I can't imagine being 13 and going through this and going through this kind of the poor kid. Like I just, she's a child. She's a kid. And all of these things like kind of compounded, mm-hmm. you know, the school issues and this dickhead. And I, I just feel for her so much. Yeah. You know? Over the next 10 months, Amanda's downward spiral continued. Carol and Norm were desperately concerned. Amanda, now 15, spent the whole summer of 2012 at home refusing to go out. 
Terrified that either her stalker would attack her in some way, maybe in real life, the taunting from some of her peers also continued. Amanda was self-harming and had tried to die by suicide after a bullying incident at the hands of her school peers. She was hospitalized for severe depression. On her release from the hospital, some of Amanda's peers began taunting her right away. Kids can be so cruel. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of them now. So they're now they're, they're adults, right? They'll be in their mid-20s, sure. late, late 20s. Yeah. I wonder how many of them look back and feel guilt and if any of them have attempted to make amends to her parents or anybody. I don't know. Like, I mean... Because, okay, you know, they were kids as well. Sure. Right? And I'm not going to... Justify You know, bullying is horrible, yeah. but, but, you know, they're kids. But, like, as you get older, I think for my soul, I need to clean that up somehow. Yeah, I've had to go back and make amends to people for things yeah. uh, that I had done in my life. And, and there's still people on that list who I haven't met up with, essentially, yet. Right. But every time I do it, I... I feel like, oh, okay, that's, that's set that at least a little bit. Well, I hope, I hope some of them do it or at, or at least have a sense of. Well, yeah. And to release maybe Carol Todd yeah, from, you know, some of what she's, she's gone through and give her some hope for humanity as well, you know. Yeah. Carol Todd told the Vancouver Sun's Jillian Shaw, quote, it didn't really help that after she got out of the hospital recently, some kids started calling her psycho and saying she'd been in the crazy hospital. She went to the hospital. She had therapy. She had counseling. She was on a good track. On the day she gets out, that happens. I shake my head and I think, are kids really that nasty? Do they really not think? What if it was them? End quote. On September 7, 2012, Amanda posted a nine-minute YouTube video entitled My Story struggling, bullying, suicide, and self-harm. In it, with music playing, she silently used a series of flashcards to tell of her experiences being bullied online and in real life. What follows is the text of those flashcards. Hello. I've decided to tell you about my never-ending story. In seventh grade, I would go with friends on webcam, meet and talk to new people then got called stunning, beautiful, perfect, etc. Then wanted me to flash. So I did. One year later, I got a message on Facebook from him. Don't know how he knew me. It said, If you don't put on a show for me, I will send your boobs. He knew my address, school, relatives, friends, family names. Christmas break. Knock at my door at 4 a.m. It was the police. My photo was sent to everyone. I then got really sick and got anxiety, major depression, and panic disorder. I then moved and got into drugs plus alcohol. My anxiety got worse, couldn't go out. A year passed and the guy came back with my new list of friends in school, but made a Facebook page. My boobs were his profile pic. Cried every night, lost all my friends and respect people had for me, again. Then nobody liked me, name calling judged. I can never get that photo back. It's out there forever. I started cutting. I promised myself never again. Didn't have any school friends and I sat at lunch alone, so I moved schools again. Everything was better even though I sat still alone. 
at lunch in the library every day. After a month later, I started talking to an old guy friend. We back and forth texted and he started to say he liked me, led me on. He had a girlfriend. Then he said, come over, my girlfriend's on vacation. So I did. Huge mistake. He hooked up with me. I thought he liked me. One week later, I get a text. Get out of your school. His girlfriend and 15 others come, including himself. The girl and two others said, just look around, nobody likes you. In front of my new school, 50 people. A guy then yelled, just punch her already. So she did. She threw me to the ground and punched me several times. Kids filmed it. I was all alone and left on the ground. I felt like a joke in this world. I thought nobody deserves this. I was alone. I lied and said it was my fault and my idea. I didn't want him getting hurt. I thought he really liked me. But he just wanted sex. Someone yelled, punch her already. Teachers ran over, but I just went and lay in a ditch and my dad found me. I wanted to die so bad. When he brought me home, I drank bleach. It killed me inside and I thought I was actually going to die. Ambulance came and brought me to the hospital and flushed me. After I got home, I saw this was on Facebook. She deserved it. Did you wash the mud out of your hair? I hope she's dead. Nobody cared. I moved away to another city, to my mom's, another school. I didn't want to press charges because I wanted to move on. Six months have gone by. People are posting pics of bleach, Clorox, and ditches tagging me. I was doing a lot better too. They said, she should try a different bleach. I hope she dies this time and isn't so stupid. They said, I hope she sees this and kills herself. Why do I get this? I messed up, but why follow me? I left your guy's city. I'm constantly crying now. Every day I think, why am I still here? My anxiety is horrible now. Never went out this summer. All from my past. Life's never getting better. Can't go to school. Meet or be with people. Constantly cutting. I'm really depressed. I'm on antidepressants now and counseling and a month ago this summer I overdosed. In hospital for two days. I'm stuck. What's left of me now? Nothing stops. I have nobody. I need someone. My name is Amanda Todd. End quote. Amanda's pain had become untenable, and on October 10, 2012, just over a month before what would have been her 16th birthday, Amanda was found deceased in her home. She had died by suicide. She'd been in the 10th grade at Cabe Secondary in Coquitlam, a school that caters to students who have experienced social and behavioral issues in previous educational settings. So she was even in a place where she was being more catered to uh, for the issues that she was dealing with. Mm -hmm. But the pain just became too much for this girl. Yeah, I wish I could go back and be like her big gay bear dad. Yeah. Right? And just give her a hug and say, hey, two more years, right? Yeah. 18, like, you, you know, get a job or you go to college, you do something, like all the shit's going to go away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I want to hear this stuff. I like want to have that magic, you know, click my fingers, go back and just hug somebody and let them know they're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I could do that with my teenage self, <laughs> <laughs> you know, go back and just say, yeah, it's all going to work out, Mike. You'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. Poor girl. Yeah. As we mentioned, Amanda's video quickly went viral after her death. 
days later, hashtag RIP Amanda was trending on Twitter. From Real Life Villains Wiki, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, and British Columbia Coroner's Service put 20 full-time investigators on Amanda Todd's case. The Coquitlam and Ridge Meadows Serious Crime Teams cooperated in a full investigation, conducting interviews and examining factors that might have contributed to Amanda Todd's death, taking her laptop as evidence. Investigators reviewed content on social media sites and actively monitored pages. The Canadian national organization Cybertip.ca reported having received a tip about Amanda Todd nearly a year before her suicide. The anti-child exploitation group stated that in November 2011, a concerned citizen reported that images of Amanda were in circulation on the internet. That information was provided to law enforcement and child welfare agencies. According to the CBC News program The Fifth Estate, the RCMP was repeatedly informed that Amanda Todd was being sexually extorted by an adult male, and in response, the RCMP told the family there was, quote, nothing that could be done about it. After an investigation by Facebook Security Unit, whose report was forwarded by U.S. authorities to the Child Exploitation and Online Protection Center attached to the British National Crime Agency and then to Dutch authorities. In 2014, Dutch police arrested a man in a case involving multiple victims in the Netherlands, UK and Canada having installed spyware on his computers, chilling chat logs of extortion, numerous images of child pornography, and 5,800 bookmarked names that served as a database of potential victims and their social networks were found. In April, it was reported that Dutch authorities had charged a 35-year-old man of dual Dutch and Turkish citizenship, identified only as Aidan Coben in the Netherlands in accordance with Dutch privacy laws, with indecent assault and possession of child pornography. That same month, the RCMP announced that the man had been charged with extortion, internet luring, criminal harassment, and possession and distribution of child pornography for his alleged offenses against Amanda Todd and other child victims. Amanda Todd's mother thanked the police, but believed that more than one person was involved. On January 28, 2015, CBC News said that Coben had written an open letter proclaiming his innocence. Now, that letter was reprinted scanned in his handwriting and put into the Globe and Mail. And I read it briefly, but I don't, I don't want to give this guy any voice. Like, I really don't. I was going to say, of course he claimed his innocence. This yeah. is what they always do. Yeah, it is exactly what they always do. Dutch authorities dropped some child pornography charges against Coben in October 2015. His case went to trial in February 2017 and concluded the next month on March 16th. He faced 72 charges of sexual assault and extortion in the Netherlands involving 39 alleged victims, 34 young females, and 5 young males in countries as various as Britain, Canada, Norway, and the U.S., some of whom had been harassed for years. Eventually convicted and sentenced on the Dutch charges of internet fraud and blackmail, he faced five separate Canadian charges related to Amanda Todd, herself not one of the 39, and it was anticipated that he would be extradited to Canada no sooner than the middle of 2018 while serving his Dutch sentence of 10 years and 8 months in prison. The extradition was delayed until December 2020 due to problems obtaining travel documents for Coben and his lawyer. 
The trial began on June 6, 2022, and on August 5th, Coben was found guilty of all charges. Carol Todd spoke to a local newspaper after the guilty verdict. Quote, I was so happy and relieved to hear the guilty verdicts on all five charges, Carol Todd told the Tri-City News. After nine weeks of trial and almost ten years, Amanda's voice has been heard loud and clear. Justice will not bring my daughter back, but her story will continue to bring hope to others that they are not alone, that they matter, and that they have many people advocating for them. End quote. Carol Todd has gone on to be a vocal activist in the protection of children from sextortion and bullying, and she's been involved in some high-profile cases, including that of Retia Parsons, a Nova Scotia teen who suffered similarly to Amanda Todd and also died by suicide. Carol has received numerous awards and recognition for her tireless efforts. The mission statement on the website for the Amanda Todd Legacy Society at amandatodlegacy.org reads, quote, The Amanda Todd Legacy is a non-profit society that focuses on awareness and the well-being of all individuals of all ages. We have a strong focus on prevention and awareness related to bullying, cyber abuse, and internet safety. As well, resources and education encouraging positivity, mental health and wellness, and how to stay safer online are shared on our website. Ongoing education and awareness for children, youth, parents, caregivers, and community members are of primary importance. Amanda's legacy has shared her story globally with public schools, colleges, universities, community events, and conferences, e.g. law enforcement, ICAC, social work, psychology, mental health, education, etc., end quote. If you feel compelled to, there's a link on the website shared in our show notes where you can donate to the Amanda Todd Legacy Society. Carol Todd wrote, By speaking up about bullying, cyber abuse, and internet safety and mental health, we know that education and awareness is being added to a landscape that will bring together the conversations needed to break the cycle of harm to others, end quote. Again, after listening to this episode, if you feel you need assistance, you can connect for free with a mental health professional one-on-one in Canada. Call 1-888-668-6810 or text WELLNESS to 686-868. For youth or for adults, you can call 1-866-585-0445 or text WELLNESS to 741-741. If you're outside of Canada, please see the show notes for this episode or go to findahelpline.com to find free confidential support from a helpline or hotline near you. This episode, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, You know. Sometimes shows are harder than other shows. This one was a hard one. This one was, I was welling up when I read this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it for Dark Poutine episode 252, Tormented. The Death of Amanda Todd. That's right. It's time for voicemails. You can leave us a message at 1-877-327-5786 or 1-877-DARK-PTN. We'd love to hear from you. Let's see who called us this week. Okie doke. We have three short voicemails this week. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I like voicemail time. I don't know why, but I really, I really like that I started doing this. Just kind of <laughs> makes sense. But anyway, here is our first voicemail. Hi, Mike and Matthew. My name is Tracy. I'm from Hillsboro, Oregon. 
And I just wanted to say that I listened to your Christmas special, and I was very surprised to learn that Bad Santa is a biopic based on a true story. Very shocking, but good to know to watch out for those mall Santas. (laughs) Anyway, I got a big kick out of listening to it, and since I'm from West Coast, U.S., we don't say go shit in your hat, so I'm just going to say Merry Christmas. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> there you go. But we're from the left coast as well, and we yeah. we say go shit in your house. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're we're unusual, but uh, yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, isn't it crazy that that's a true story? Not really. But anyway, <laughs> you you love the Christmas episode. I do. I don't know. Like I'm thinking next year maybe doing something a little different than than that. Mm, don't give it away. No, I mean we've done different things already, but. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got some ideas. I, I thought about doing Black Christmas. You remember that movie, uh, that starred, um. In the suburban house. Well, it was in Toronto, essentially. Mm. So it wouldn't have to be an away game. That's where the movie was filmed. However, um, it's a slasher movie. And I thought, how am I going to make that funny? You just don't, you're, you're not. (laughs) And it would be like really tone deaf. Yeah, it wouldn't work. No, it really the wouldn't work. The magic of the Christmas ones is they're kind of cheesy movies. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're at least comedic in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like even Die Hard is funny. Yeah, so, of course it was. Yeah, but... Uh, the kid in the limo, he cracked me up. I, yeah, love, I love that guy so exactly. much. So, yeah, I'm not going to do something that people go like, Whoa. Wow, that was dark. Like, people are being murdered and you're making fun of this. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's go on to our next voicemail. Let's have a listen. <laughs> that was a good message. Hi, guys. I just started listening to your podcast, and like totally coincidentally, the second one was um, about someone that I knew, John Ruffalo. I just wanted to clear one little thing up. Probably doesn't matter, but um, he got fired from, or yeah, he got fired from the corrections service because he was using the CPIC system illegally to investigate his potential rental clients. So it wasn't all that bad, but he did deserve to be fired. Anyways, um, I've only listened to a few, a couple episodes, and so far I really like it. Uh, thanks for doing what you do, and take care. Bye. Yeah, there you go. I I really like it she, when somebody calls up with insider info. She didn't say her name. That's okay. I, can I give her a name? You can. You can. <laughs> well, yeah. Give her a name. Go a- ahead. Amy Lemay. What's Amy Lemay? What? What? Where do you come? Where did you come up with that? She's actually a minor, minor celebrity in the UK. Oh, okay. That I, that I really liked, but I'm going to call her Amy Lemay. Amy Lemay, thank you for your voicemail. <laughs> Much appreciated. Uh, next up. Uh, this one, let's have a listen. Hi, Mike. Hi, Matthew. My name is Sarah, and I am up in Minnesota. I called a while ago, probably about a year ago, so that you know that I had been listening to every single podcast ever made, and now I'm calling to let you know that I'm starting to re-go through them, and I am halfway back through them. So I need to go to like a Dark Poutine Anonymous, a podcast anonymous, (laughs) something like that. But I just wanted to thank you guys for everything you do. Love the podcast. Um, Much love to 
Carol and everybody. So have a great day and don't forget to shit in your tube. Bye. Well, there you go. The first step is to admit that you have a problem. That's right. It, that's the <laughs> hardest thing. You're powerless over dark poutine and your life has become unmanageable. unmanageable. <laughs> oh, well. What step two? <laughs> Came to believe that a power greater than yourself could, could you restore, restore us from, sanity. From, well, you're not going to get sanity on this show. No. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so. Thank you. Thank I, you very much. Um, we're gonna have to double up on shows or something for no. <laughs> well, I'm already writing. We should just do midweek. Hey guys, no story because we're writing too much anyway, but let's just like kind of have some fun. Yeah, no, no, okay, <laughs> I don't think so. I'll do it without you. You can if you'd like. It's <laughs> Wednesdays, it's just Matthew talking. Matthew's, shit. <laughs> Matthew's, can you imagine? Matthew's bullshit corner. <laughs> Oh, well. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah, as long as you don't sing, everybody will be fine. This is true. Yeah. Okay, that's it for voicemail. That's it for this week's voicemails. Again, you can leave us one at one 327 5786 or one 827 We'd love to hear from you, even if it is just to say hi and to tell us to go shit in our hats. If you're stumped for what to chat with us about, a quick story is welcome. Alrighty, it is time for Patreon and Donut Money donors, and we've got four patrons this week and one Donut Money donor. First up, we have Evan McKnight from Hamilton, Ontario. Evan McKnight from Hamilton. Ham Hammertown, as Hamilton, they say. Hamilton, yeah, where I went to college. Steeltown. Steeltown. Yeah. Yep, I can remember the mornings, some mornings, the air smelled like rotten eggs from, oh, the, from, the, the, from the steel mill. The sulfur, yeah. I think it's different now. So Evan yep. is a police officer. Oh. And he... Is he with the OPP? Well, yes, he he has a supercar, and he's called the McKnight Rider. <laughs> Does he call his car Kit? Yes. Oh, well, there you go. My colleague Olin is obsessed with David Hasselhoff. Seriously, his screen, like Zoom calls for work. Yeah. Background is David Hasselhoff. You should put the David Hasselhoff background of him eating the hamburger while he, whilst he's drunk. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, thank you, McKnight Rider. Yeah, there you and go. Keep those streets of Hamilton safe. Right. Next, we have Ryan Killian, and Ryan is from State College, Pennsylvania. He's a woodcarver. A woodcarver. And what does he carve out of wood? As the Pennsylvania Dutch say, yeah, it's for nice. It's for nice. Okay. He just makes beautiful things. No function. Oh, okay. just beauty. It's art. Yep. There you go. Great. It's for nice. Well, thank you, Ryan Killian. Thank you, Ryan. Next, we have Ann Berry from Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City. I always was like, okay, so there's a Kansas City in Kansas, and there's a Kansas City, Missouri. D what does Kansas even mean? I don't know, but people ran out of place names, I guess. Well, same with up here, right? Well, all yeah, all the Canadian place names are British. And every street, like... Right, every 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 city yeah. that has the same street names right across this country. Yeah, pretty much, unless you're here in Surrey, and then it's uh, all numbered. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, well, we have some that are named, but yeah. Anne Barry. Yep. Anne Barry from Kansas City, Missouri. She does a cooking show in Kansas City. Oh wow! Yep. 
And what does she, she specialize? Like I know Julia Child was French, did French cooking. Does Anne specialize in anything uh, at all? Or is she just like all over the map? No, Anne does um, a fusion of Chilean and Japanese. Food. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't that be good actually? That probably would be like super spicy. <laughs> yeah, really nice. Lots of beans yeah. and some fish. Yeah. So yeah. Ch Chilean and Japanese fusion cooking show out of Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. Nice. Uh, next and last, as far as patrons go, we have Rebecca Quintana and Rebecca is from Ann Arbor, Michigan, right across the uh, lake from Ontario there. Yeah. Just kind of actually Ann Arbor's practically now, I'm, I'd assume that De Detroit, Detroit is probably growing and Ann Arbor's growing. They're probably almost one in the same city now. Oh yeah, probably. University of Michigan is there. Oh, nice. U of M and Rebecca is a professor at U of M. Have you ever been to Michigan? Have you done that? Or My grandmother was from Michigan. Oh, well, there you go. So you've been to Michigan. She was from Cadillac, Michigan. Cadillac. Yes. I mean, she was Canadian when I knew her. But, right. <laughs> but yeah, we had family there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It was, it literally took me 45 minutes to get across the border into Michigan yeah. when I was young. I drove through Michigan on my way uh, from here to Nova Scotia I, because I went through the States and yeah, Michigan is a, is a, is a state. It's a state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, very cities. Yep. But also like if you go to the upper peninsula, it's just beautiful up there. Yeah. But you have Uper accents up there as, as well. So Uper? Uper, upper peninsula oh, accents. Oh, there you yeah. go. And as far as donut money goes, we have one donut money donor this week and her name is Lisa Skyheart Marshall. And we looked her up. Yeah. So Lisa Skyheart Marshall Art is her, and, and oh, I thought Marshall Arts, but no, it's not, Marshall isn't spelled that way. Her website is skyheartart.com. That's right. And it's really beautiful stuff, actually. I quite like it. I like, now, this, I like this one with the hummingbird. It, it's beautiful. There's one with a dragonfly, like... She does all her work in ink and watercolors and a lot of nature and flowers and stuff. So check her out. And it's sort of like, you know, those old books of like illustrations yeah. of nature. Yeah. Beautiful. You know? It, yeah. They're, they're actually really, really, really quite nice. So don't get it in your brain that I'm, we're going to plug every single No, business. she didn't ask us to plug. She didn't she, ask she, us. We actually just looked her up and we're like, wow, that's, that, yeah. that, that's good art. So we thought we'd share. So there you go. And it's Sky Heart Art. Not ma not martial arts. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lisa. We couldn't we couldn't stop ourselves. We've probably yeah. heard that a million she times. She paints pictures of Bruce Lee. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> I would pay. I hey, if she did a picture of Bruce Lee, I'd buy it. I, Bruce Lee's one of my heroes. Yeah, me, me too. Actually, <laughs> I love Bruce Lee. But uh, maybe maybe she'll uh, she'll do one for us. And then sell it to us. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks to all our patrons and donut money donors, past and present, for your generosity. It helps to keep the show going. You can become a patron of Dark Poutine at patreon.com slash darkpoutine. For a one-time donation, you can send us donut money via PayPal using our email address, darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't already subscribe to the show, it would mean a lot if you did. You can easily find Dark Poutine on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
If you haven't gotten yours yet, my book, Murder, Madness, and Mayhem, is available to order via a link on the Dark Poutine website. And speaking of darkpoutine.com, please check it out for show notes and other cool stuff. We'd appreciate it if you took the time to give Dark Poutine a like or a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Most importantly, thank you for listening. And tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And that's it for this episode of Dark Poutine. Until next time, don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi. Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassioni. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. You're trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.